Well, hello. As you heard, my name is Signe, and I've been really grateful for the nice and warm welcome I've received in your church. And I also feel privileged, actually, to stand up here today and just to share briefly about um, some of the things that God has been doing in my life. And so, just to make it a little bit less confusing, uh, I met Cam uh, when I was in Poland, while I was um, serving in Croatia, but I actually come from Latvia. And so, don't worry if you are confused, because we're still also sometimes confused of how it all happened <laughs> uh, in general. And so, Cam, could you go to the PowerPoint? <laughs> So you are able to see up there a map of the world. And so I know that after talking with you, sometimes, like after talking with people, I tell them, oh, I come from Latvia. And then either people sometimes give me like a very confused look or then sometimes they're like upfront honest saying like, oh, I don't know where it is. And sometimes it's just like mm, no one really wants to admit. But here you can see it's the little small country up north, a neighboring country with the Scandinavian countries. And then on the right side we have Russia. And so... Latvia is a very small country, actually. Uh, it's size-wise, it's actually even smaller than Tasmania, to my surprise, because <laughs> I was convinced that it must be bigger, but in fact, it's not. And uh, next slide. <laughs> um, but it's a very beautiful country. It is very flat, uh, rich with culture, traditions, and just like the national heritage we have. It's a country where people love to sing, they love to dance, and uh, somehow, contrary to the rest of Europe, we love ice hockey much better than soccer. Um, yeah. <laughs> ice hockey, right? <laughs> um, so I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Um, I grew up, as many other Latvians do, in a traditionally Lutheran family, which meant that we would go to church once or twice a year, not too much, not to make it too weird. I grew up always believing that there is God, and I, was al I always believed that God exists, but I completely lacked understanding what it actually means to be a Christian. And that is something that I do find very common with many other people, that they would just say, yes, I am a Christian, and um, like, you know, which church do you belong to? Oh, I don't know, I was baptized when I was a baby. And so they just don't have the kind of the, you know, like understanding what does it really mean to be a Christian and a follower of Christ. And when I was 17 years old, after a series of bad decisions and unwise choices in my life, uh, for the first time ever, I went to a youth group in a Baptist church, and I was just shocked, like, how a different church can look like. And my main focus didn't have to be battling the sleep through the sermon time. Uh, church could be fun, and you could smile there. And these are just the, some, some of the stereotypes that younger people would have about churches. And so I met really great people uh, at the right time, people who helped me to learn more about Jesus and learn me, uh, helped me learn more about God and just helped me to understand what it really means to uh, yeah, be a Christian. And so gradually God changed my life and he changed my perspective on things. And a year later, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and that completely transformed my life and uh, also changed the direction of my life. God gave me calling to work with young people. And so that's what I've been doing for the past years. And um, I became actively involved in Scripture Union Camp Ministry in Latvia. It's also, we have a little small Scripture Union there. 
and now you have it here much bigger and much better because you do surfing and all those kind of things. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and so in the meantime, I was also studying business management in university and since like my early teen years, I've had this passion in my heart about um, like working abroad, and I always in, in enjoyed international environment and just like oh like, like this big passion in my heart. And I was thinking about um, career in an international company, uh, particularly looking up to the Scandinavian countries, which in my mind were kind of like oh that's like the ultimate goal, like the promised land. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to live. I love the culture. Like I love I loved everything about the countries. Um, and so then, when in 2014, God challenged me to step out of my comfort zone and um, go to Croatia. And no, it's not in Asia. It's actually in Europe, Croatia. Um, my initial response, of course, was to say, no. Like, why would I want to go to Croatia if, like, I've never, ever wanted to live in South. In fact, I actually said, like, oh, no, I'm, that's, that's not something I want to do in my life. And ironically enough, right now I'm dating a guy from Australia. <laughs> and I am here, which is probably pretty much as South as I could possibly be. <laughs> so... As may, others of you may know, God has good sense of humor when we throw out things like that. Um, yeah, so, but I really wanted God to lead me, and I was, I was desiring to be led by him. And, but in the same time, in a way, I was like saying, here, here God, I am, but please send him, or please send her. I'm here, lead me, but oh no, me, not really, don't send me. Because, um, so, although Croatia was the total opposite of my plan, uh, God just kept speaking to me uh, through his word. He kept speaking to me through people in my life and just through various other ways. And I couldn't, like, miss what he was saying. He was telling me that this is the place I should be going. And so, even though I, myself, in many ways wanted to say, no, that's not what I'm doing, I knew that to be obedient to God, actually, I have to say yes um, and so I ended up going to Croatia, which is a small country uh, that is, and a very beautiful country that is located right next to the Adriatic Sea. So it has wonderful coastline. And the population is only 4.2 million people. And But out of all those people, 90% of them would say that they are Catholics. And only 0.38% of people are evangelical Christians. So we can, again, see this very big difference of people who would say that they are Christians, but in reality, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know the truth. And um, people grow up in this religious setting um, that's mixed up with a lot of traditions and sometimes even with superstition as well. And sadly, it doesn't highlight in one, like, the importance of one's personal walk with Christ. And because of different things that Roman Catholic Church has done in the past, uh, more and more young people, they don't even want to associate themselves with the church anymore. And they don't feel so obliged to, go, to actually be involved in the church. Uh, and often, often like, they like, after talking with them, often they just consider God as someone like, who wants to punish them, and who judges them, and like, who sees all their wrongdoing. So it's like a, this mean, image of mean and distant God. And as a result, they're not interested in a God at all. Like, who would want to have a God like that? So when they hear about the ministry that we do, they're very surprised that, in fact, um, that 
you know, about the things we do, that we run camps and all those things, because they only, see, sometimes they only see Christianity as something inside this old church building. Um, so yeah, in this country with unemployment rate, 18%, it's very high, especially for younger people. People desperately need to hear the truth about Jesus, and uh, they need to see how, like, look beyond the religious teaching that they've heard since they were little kids, and just to be healed from disappointment of, like, the broken relationships um, in a church and to change the misconception. Like, I had misconception what it means to be a Christian, that it's not enough to once a week go to a mosque or it's not enough to just, you know, be baptized as a baby. Um, so next slide, please. So I've been going back to Croatia several times. And so this June, I'm planning to return there for another year. And three things that would describe the ministry we're doing there are leadership, outreach, and discipleship. Those are the three core things. And DBB House is the, the, ministry, the organization that I'll be working within, and that is actually a partnership between Send International and Scripture Union Croatia. And so... As some of you may have heard, in Europe it's very common for people to send their kids to camps. And this opens up a great ministry of possibility because if parents are willing to send their kids to a camp, then that gives us opportunity to be witnesses and to just share the gospel with them. Giving the opportunity for kids to, while they're outside in God's beautiful creation, um, learn from God's word and discover for themselves what does it really mean to be Jesus follower, who God is. And uh, often when they come to these camps, they ask all of these questions. And it's, it's, I'm always amazed to see when they find those answers for themselves and like, that their whole view uh, of God changes. And it's not this mean God anymore, but it's a loving Father and who has done the ultimate sacrifice for us. As well, um, this year, partnering with local churches, we plan to have organized like a day camp in a park for kids. And then there we will also have opportunity to just reach out with the local kids um, that will be outside playing uh, in the streets. Um, another core thing that we do is discipleship. And Jesus has, hold out, has called us to go and make disciples. So with youth age 15 to 18, um, we run a discipleship training program that um, helps them to, in a really practical and really experiential way, learn what does it mean to serve like Jesus did. And so it's always a great opportunity. Like you can see one of the themes we had last summer. So it's always a great opportunity just to spend two weeks with them really focusing uh, on serving. And the third component of the ministry we do is leadership. And when we look at Europe as a whole, we can see that there is such a great need for leaders and for the new generation of leaders. Um, so then with people aged 18 to 26, we do leadership training program. That's called Leadership Lab International. And the whole goal of the program is to prepare this new generation of leaders uh, to be equipped to serve in multicultural ministry teams and church planting teams. And um, this training is designed specifically to empower young leaders that come from Croatia so that then after that they can be going out in their country and be the messengers and share the gospel with, um, with their peers. And also people coming from different nations to just grow in their servant leadership skills. Because, 
yeah, as I said before, is there is such a big need for that. And um, when I look back at my life, I see that I see how I always dreamed about this, uh, about working internationally, and that I had this my big, big dream about what I want to do and what I want to accomplish in my life. And then I heard um, the call of God inviting me to go to Croatia. And I said no to his invitation. I wanted, actually did say no the first time. And God just kept speaking to me that I need to change <laughs> what I think. And um, that I don't have to run away uh, from where he's calling me to. And the one of, like, few of the reasons why I actually wanted to say no is because I didn't think I'm competent enough. I didn't think I'm experienced enough, equipped enough. Um, I just didn't feel like I measure up, and so the list could go on and on. And I don't know if any of you have felt similar about a specific thing that you might, you might be offered to do or just opportunity, that you just feel like, mm, I think I'll pass this time. But God really kept knocking on the door um, and asking me to trust him and follow where he is leading. And so I did, and I went to Croatia. And without no doubt, it was probably one of the best decisions uh, that I've ever made. Because being exposed to missionaries that come from different cultures and that come from different backgrounds for the first time ever made me actually realize, hey, maybe there's more to that passion in my heart about uh, working internationally. Maybe it's actually not for me to build international career in some company. Um, maybe there's something more to it than what I originally thought and um, and maybe, and I know that God's actually calling me to be in missions. And God is still writing my story, and I'm very excited to be just part of his great big plan. And I'm also excited for this next chapter in my life where I'll be serving in Croatia. And so I just want to ask you, please be in prayer for revival in this country and just for revival in Europe in general. Because we need prayer warriors. And we also need people who are ready to go. So I don't know what is your story. What's your story tonight? I don't know what's your passion, what's your dream. But don't be afraid to make big or small steps when following God's leading. So you can say, here, here I am, God. Send me. Thank you. Uh, if, if, thank you, Cam. Thanks, everybody. It's great to be here tonight. And uh, it's really good to get away from that table, actually. I'm sitting beside Daniel, and his feet actually stink. <laughs> <laughs> Just going back to... Going back to one of those, I think, yeah, the first little video clip we saw. Remember that one when people were asked what do they think about it, what do they know about God? I've heard it said that when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing, they'll believe in anything. And I think that's Europe and probably Australia as well. Cam's given me an impossible task, so I'll try and perform the impossible to say half an hour's worth in three minutes. Pioneers is one of the many, many agencies that God has raised up who have Christian workers 
spread right across Europe. And Ruth, my wife and I have the privilege of just being part of this one agency and having a look at what the Lord's doing, I guess, through that close-up lens of the needs and the opportunities and the challenges from one end of Europe to the other. I think it's from Ireland right through to, is it Slovenia on the far end? I'm not sure which is the most eastern end of Europe. Question? Other little bit of Turkey? Okay. So in that vast span, there are all of those millions of people. There are almost no Bible-believing Christians. And so mission agencies have got a huge task. And God has used pioneers to get people into most of the countries in Europe. And we have a few things which I guess are like distinctives which can help people be who they are and fit into wherever they go. One of our distinctives is that we focused on unreached people groups. So you can say the whole of Europe, every country in Europe. We love to see people going places where God is calling them to go. Missions used to direct people. Some still do to some extent. But Pioneers is an agency which asks people, how do you sense God is calling you? Where do you sense he's calling you to? What's your gifts and your skill mix and how do you see that fitting in and enabling you to stay there and to be effective in that country? And so we see people being raised up using amazing amazing creativity and being so innovative to get them into countries, enable them to stay there and to be really effective in those countries. We also, where possible, like to partner with the local church. And we heard from Chris how that he's partnering with a Baptist church. If there is even a tiny evangelical Bible-believing group of Christians, we will try and partner with them and help to encourage, to empower, to facilitate and partner with them in sharing the gospel amongst the people in their area. So Pioneers has people from Ireland right through all of those well-known countries and all of the lesser-known countries. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight areas. I won't read the countries, but the areas we have have an area leader just to look after the team leaders who are in their particular area. There's the UK and Ireland is one area. The Francophone speaking countries, Western Europe, Iberia and Basque area, Europe East, the Balkans North, Balkans South and Central Europe and all of the countries in those areas are listed on this list which I won't bore you with now but in total pioneers have people in 27 countries across Europe. They are in 44 teams and some of those teams are large and some of them are tiny but our goal is to have people in teams where they can be well supported and given the pastoral care and the encouragement and set free to, do who, to be who they are in sharing the gospel with people in their areas. And across Europe, currently Pioneers has 241 adults plus all the children who are associated with the families and it's just so wonderful to see the Lord raising up Australians as well as people from our other pioneers sending bases around the world. And so there are quite a number of multinational teams. 
in the next few years, there'll be teams coming from heaps of countries which have been the missionary receiving countries. We've got now over 20 what we call gateway countries using the pioneers' structure to people for, to go out across the world. And so there will be people on teams in Europe from Dominican Republic, maybe even Haiti, if you believe that, <laughs> Nigeria and Togo and Brazil and the Philippines and Egypt, and I could name a whole lot of others. The Lord is moving his church in those countries and sending them out. And there'll be people from those countries in teams in Europe in coming days. So it is so exciting to see what the Lord is doing through his church in this country and many, many other countries, people going through to Europe. And it's just wonderful. Ruth and I, our role is mentoring for mission here in Victoria and we hang out with people who are sensing God stirring their heart. We journey with them, we encourage them, we pray with them, we link them up as they maybe go through an application process. We link them up with a potential team or we help them go on a survey trip we talk with their area leader, with their possible team leader and try and sort of broker all of those things with them and on their behalf in partnership with their own home sending church. So that's just a little glimpse into one mission agency and it is exciting that right now here in Australia we have, I think it's 85 people in the pipeline people who have got application papers right through to people who are just about to leave. Currently in Australia there are 85 people moving forward across our land towards overseas cross-cultural mission and a number of them are heading to Europe. Praise God. No, it is great to have Russell here. He's always around college, so willing to chat with, with anyone, and, and especially all our students. So I'm really grateful for that, uh, Russell. So it's been great uh, to hear a lot of different information about different countries uh, uh, throughout Europe. But what we're going to do now, what I want to do now, is just share uh, something from God's Word. Uh, and I guess I just want to make one simple point uh, I'm not going to go on for too long. But basically what I want to do is answer the question, because you know we've seen that, that Europe is a place of great need, a, a place in decline, a place with so much opportunity for everyone in this room. And so I want to answer the question, what stops us from going? What stops us from being available to God's mission field? both cross-culturally and here. You know, st what stops you from being available, from you being effective in God's mission? And so that's, that's the question. And I think God gives us a very clear answer to this question in one of Jesus' parables. Uh, it's in the parable of the talents. This is found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have Bibles or phones, go there. And Shabu's got Bibles here. If you want to pop your hand up, if you want a hard copy, Shabu's going to hand a few out. Uh, so Matthew chapter 25, it's also going to be on the screen. Um, we're going to read that out. So Matthew t chapter 25, starting from verse 14. 
gate. Here's what it says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid the master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing his five talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made you two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew what I reap, that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, as, as most of you know, I've recently returned from a mission trip uh, in Poland. And one of the things I've noticed both, uh, both before I went and coming back, that missionaries carry with them a kind of reputation, a stereotype that's given to them. You know, they must, they, they must be spiritual people because they're missionaries. They must be incredibly gifted people, usually the people who are up the front and doing all the talking and all of that. You know, they kind of belong to this spiritual group of elite Christians. And I suppose uh, pastors probably belong to this spiritual elite group as well. And, you know, you know, all of us would probably know this. You know, if you're talking to someone and they introduce yourself, themselves as, as a pastor, you all of a sudden go, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I better watch myself here. You know, you kind of straighten up and get your King James Bible language out and hope that you do enough to impress them. Hope that they don't see how sinful you really are. And, you know, while this can be funny to think about it, I think it reveals a problem in our hearts. I think it actually stems from this question that I asked at the beginning, what stops us or hinders us with mission? And, you know, thinking about this more closely, I realized I actually grew up with this mindset. I grew up thinking that missionaries and pastors were the spiritual elite and somehow on a higher plane and that I should be striving to, to be a speaker or to be that type of person. But I don't think that's true. You see, I think the thing that hinders us most when engaging with mission, when considering cross-cultural mission, as some of you may be here, 
is actually a combination, a combination of comparison versus our own ability. Comparison kills the drive for mission and the potential of mission. Let's take a closer look at this passage, and hopefully it will show you why. So we have this parable here that Jesus has spoken about. So there's a few things I want to note straight away. We see a man who is going on a journey. Now it's quite obvious from later in this passage that this man is supposed to represent God. And this man calls to himself three servants. And I think fairly confidently we can say that those servants are supposed to represent us. And God entrusts each one with talents. Now, talents in Jesus' day was a form of money. It was actually a, a rather large sum of money. You know, there's lots of arguments about what it is and how much it is, and I don't really want to get into that, but I, I, I take the conservative amount and say it's maybe worth $30,000. Some say up to 20 years' worth of wages. And so he gives these servants these talents with the expectation that they would use these wisely and produce more. The master returns and he's very happy with two servants, but very unhappy with one. And that's basically the story in a nutshell. And so what can we observe from this interesting parable that can relate to us today? Well, I think the first thing to notice is that each servant was actually given a different amount. Verse 15 says, to one five, to one two, to another one. And you see, this is very interesting to me because if, if God is the man and, and the servants are us, then is this, what does this say? Well, I think it's saying that God is not fair. Well, at least God is not fair in the way that we think he should be fair, how we define the word. We think fairness is giving someone the same amount of everything. You know, I remember when I was growing up, when I was little, if I didn't get the exact same as my brother, older brother, World, World War II would break out in my household. And mum can testify to that over and over and over again. This was not acceptable. Fairness is everyone gets the same thing. But that's actually not true in God's eyes. Because that's not what he means by fair. And so... God is not fair in this regard. So the next obvious question is why? Why did he give some servants more and some servants less? And also, what, what are these talents? Because we've already spoken about how God, the man is God, the servants are us, and these talents, that they must represent something in our life. Well, you know, what I used to think is that this parable is fairly straightforward. It was talking about the different amount of skills and ability each one of us has. These talents, everyone has different skills and abilities, just like everyone in this parable, they all had different talents. But that's actually not what it's talking about. It's not talking about our gifts and our abilities. Let me show you. Look at verse 15, probably the most important verse. It's up on the screen. I'll read it again. It says, to one he gave five, to another two, to another one. Now listen, each according to his ability. So the talents were actually given because of the servant's abilities, in response to the servant's abilities. The talents weren't the abilities themselves, but they were simply distributed according to each person's 
abilities. So, so, so what can this mean then? What did Jesus want us to see these talents as? Because we still haven't asked that, asked, answered that question. What are the talents? Well, I'm going to suggest to you that these talents can actually represent potential. These talents represent potential, the potential of each person. Do you see what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, this parable is true today. You know, in a room like this, every single one of us has various amounts of gifts and abilities and talents and skills, and you know, some of us are quite naturally talented. When I was younger, I always used to get really frustrated because, you know, I've always been good at sport. Uh, you know, I was never smart at school, always did pretty lousy, but I always met that one person who was good at sport and good at school, and I thought, you can't have that. You can't have both things. You have to choose one. But, you know, some people are. Some people are just incredibly talented. But see, the great truth about this passage is that it actually doesn't matter what talents and skills and abilities we have but it matters what we do with them. It matters what we do with what we have. What matters is if you fulfill the potential that God has given each one of you. And this is where we ultimately see God's fairness on display in the true sense of the word, because you see, fairness isn't about giving everyone the same thing. That's maybe what the world thinks. But fairness in God's eyes is giving everyone the same opportunity to please him, the same opportunity to reach their potential. Yes, God has given everyone different gifts and abilities, but listen to this, God has given every single person in this room the same capacity to please the master, the same capacity to please God. Because you see, the tragedy in this story isn't that the one had only one, The tragedy of the story is the one did nothing with the one. Do you get this? Because it's such a simple truth, but it changes everything. Because you really need to think about it. Because do you know what it means? It means that God has given every single person in this room the same capacity to please God just as much as the Apostle Paul. Now, I didn't say the same abilities, I didn't say the same skills. I didn't say that all of us are going to plant multiple churches and write half the New Testament. Because most of us aren't going to do that. But we can please God just as much as Paul. We can be faithful to God just as much as Paul. Because look at the passage. What does God say to the first two servants who come to him? In verse 21 and 23, he says the exact same thing. He doesn't say to the first one, wow, Man, you got, you got 10 talents in total. That's awesome. That's so good. Come on in. You can have the best place. And then the second guy comes along and he says, you only got four. You know, that's not even close to 10. It's not even half of 10. I mean, you did okay. So I suppose you can come in. He doesn't. He says the same thing. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Because it's not to do with what we do and what we achieve in ministry, it's to do with who we are. It's to do with our faithfulness to God. And once again, God has given us each the same capacity to be faithful to him. So what does this mean? 
It means, it means stop looking around. Stop feeling like you have been given nothing by God, that, that you don't have the abilities to be a good servant of God. Or to, or to be on mission for God, to go cross-cultural mission. I don't, I don't have the ability to do that. I, I'm not a speaker, I'm not a preacher, I don't have the talent to do that. It's not true. You know, think of the greatest preacher or teacher you know. We all have one, we all have our favourite guy we go to. You know, think of Billy Graham. You know, that person is nothing but their faithfulness to God. You know, you can convert thousands and thousands of people. And yet, that person who converts thousands and thousands of people, like Billy Graham, is just, can be just as faithful and pleasing to God as the person who works in a small village and is faithful to three people his whole life, who ministers to three people his whole life. Because it's not about what they do. God gave each of them a different amount of potential to fill. God required more of Billy Graham. God required less of this man. What he asked of both of them was faithfulness. And what he asks of us is faithfulness, which makes our job not to look around and, and wish we had a certain ability or gift, not to try and strive to be the type of missionary that we think we should be to head across to do cross-cultural mission, but simply to be faithful. If you want to know if you're qualified for mission, then just simply look at, are you faithful with what God's given you at this time? Hmm. And as I want you to think about that, because God doesn't call everyone to be a preacher or a teacher or a man with eloquence and great talent, but he does call everyone to be faithful and once again, everyone has the same capacity to do that. And so coming back to the question, are you available for mission? Are you saying, yes to God, take and use all of what you've given me no matter what? Which is all his anyway. You see, what Europe actually needs is not a great man of ability, a great speaker or a guy with all the natural talent in the world. You know what Europe needs? Europe needs a faithful IT worker. Europe needs a faithful lawyer, a faithful tradie, a faithful uni student, a faithful whatever it may be, who is willing to go across cultures and share the gospel for the glory of God's name. That's what God needs. What God wants is a faithful servant. Is that you? Are you a faithful servant? Do you want to be a faithful servant? Stop looking around at people's gifts, your own gifts. God can use what you have. He's given you the complete capacity to fulfill your potential. And so is God prodding at your heart tonight to think more closely about Europe? You know, to hear what he's saying to you, not what you see, what, what other people, uh, or maybe your own shortcomings... Is God prodding you for this, for mission cross-cultural, or maybe just mission here, to focus more on what, what God's called you to do here, to use those gifts and abilities that you do have for the glory of his great name? Everyone in this room has the, the same capacity to hear these words at the end of their life. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are truly a fair God. I thank you that you do not value abilities and gifts and talent, that you value what is on the inside. You value a heart that that cries out to you, that, that knows that you are Lord, a heart that is willing to walk in the truth that they are saved and that, that you are working in their lives. Lord, thank you that you are faithful to us. And I thank you that what you ask of us is faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that you give us each year the power of your Holy Spirit to be faithful, to walk in faithfulness, to not be comparing ourselves to one another, but to, Lord, be, to be content in the person that you have made us, even in all our failings, even in all our shortcomings, even in all our lack of ability to know that, Lord, you've given us each a different amount of potential to fulfill, but you've given us all, all we need to fill that. I praise you for that. I praise you that you are doing a work in Europe, and I thank you that even in this room you're stirring in people's hearts, so I pray that you do that. I pray that you'll continue uh, to make your gospel known to all nations. And I commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. What we're going to do now is actually break into a time of prayer uh, for Europe. Uh, What we're actually going to do is I want you to spend uh, the first five minutes of this prayer time praying for the country that you are sitting around. You've seen some statistics on on that page. You might not know a lot about the country. You might not even have talked about it tonight. But you do know that there are Christians in that country who need prayer, leaders who need prayer, and and a, a, a harvest that needs to be taken it needs more workers. So I just want you to be praying for the first five minutes for that. And then for the second five minutes, I want you to just be praying uh, about some of the ministries we've talked about specifically, some of the missionaries we've heard from tonight. And lastly, just finishing praying about yourselves. So we're going to do that for 10 minutes. Uh, so what's the time? Maybe we'll make it seven minutes, seven or eight minutes. We'll stop around nine o'clock. So please be praying uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. Thanks.